We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, folks, let's dive into some mailbag questions. You guys have some good ones today. I want to answer as many as I possibly can. We're going to start off here with, um, and I have no idea how to uh, say that name, so I'm not going to try and butcher it. But I do thank you, whoever you are, for the super chat. Appreciate that very, very much. There's a lot of questioning right now. If our quarterback and receivers have the talent and ability to play better and execute, it's getting a bit ugly in the criticism of some people, and I'd appreciate your input on this. Well, I. I think they can play better and I think they can execute. I talked about this earlier. I don't think talent is the issue at receiver. There's been a couple issues. It's young at some spots. You one of your your oldest players a converted running back. You've got you've had injuries of your your two other veteran players. Jaden Thomas has been banged up half the year with hamstring injury. Deion Colsey's been out most of the year with a with a, a knee injury. And you're playing a lot of young guys. I mean, there's times on Saturday where they had three true freshmen at running back on the field, or I mean, a receiver on the field. So it's not talent. I don't think they've been developed incredibly well. I don't believe there's been a lot of confidence in that group from the quarterback position or the offensive coordinator position, which needs to change. It's your guys' job to bring that group along. You got a six year quarterback and an a offensive coordinator who's been a receiver's coach. It's your guys' job to get that group going. And then that group's got to step up and make plays. It's not about talent. It's about they got to play better. They got to play with more urgency and they've got to execute better. I mean, look, here's the deal. If Tobias, if, if, if Sam Hartman throws a better ball to Tobias Mary on that post route against Duke, and then if Tobias makes the catch instead of dropping those two balls that he dropped against Duke later, we might be singing a different tune right now about the receiving core in the pass game. Maybe that would have been the thing that, that sparked that offense to get going. I don't know. Maybe it would have, but we, we don't know because those plays weren't made. That's the key. So look, people just like to people like to tear others down, and and that's fine. They want to fire everybody, and that's fine. I mean, people have the right to do that. I mean, even if they would not appreciate it, if somebody kept going on social media calling for them to be fired, probably wouldn't like that very much. But that's what fans think that they have the right to do, and they do have the right to do, and they think that that's a something that's wise, and they do it. It's not something that I do here, but the fact is, is it's got to get better. It does. I mean, that that's where we can all agree. It's got to get better. You gotta you gotta coach better, you gotta play better, you gotta plan better, all of it. It's gotta be better. It's gotta be better. 
And so if it does, we'll find out. We'll find out. And this team will have a chance to be pretty good. It will. I just don't I, – I, look, right now with the pass game, Tobias can make plays. Chris Tyree can make plays. Jordan Fazak can make plays. There's a lot of guys can make plays. They just got to start making them. And Chris Tyree's really been the only guy that's uh, – his his big play per target ratio is clearly the best on the team. Just got to do more to get him the football. That's going to be the key. And when those times come, you got to make those plays. That's really where it's at. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The fall season is incredibly busy for me, which makes it hard to spend the time needed to make healthy meals and live a healthy life. If you have the same problem, you'll want to try Factor. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. I've had Factor Meals, and I'm going to continue buying from them, especially with a special discount for Irish Breakdown listeners. With Factor, you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and prepping and cleaning up, too while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. You can choose from 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all ready to eat in two minutes. Head to factormeals.com irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's Irish50 at factormeals.com slash Irish50 to get 50% off. I've tried it. I'm sticking with them. You should try it too. T Gunn asks, can you give us an example of an offensive play call and how it needs to be altered later in the game, how you might do that? Well, we kind of broke this down in the upon further review, right? And Notre Dame ran up a, a play earlier in the game. I mean, and everybody calls plays differently. So if you're asking a play call, I mean, some people will just call plays by concept. So I've been at places where every route had a number. So you'd call like 937 and then you'd tag like the tight end, like 937, you know, stick, something like that. I've been on offenses where the concepts have a name. That's kind of how I've always done it. You know, so like when I was at uh, Duquesne, all of our, all of our plays had um, names of, like NFL teams, like Dolphins, 
Steelers, Rams, they were all like Rams is our smash concept. Dolphins was our double post concept. And then we'd run like counters. Also like Miami was like our post. It would look like double post, but then the inside guy would run a corner. So our scissors was called like Miami. So they all had those type of names. Um, that's kind of how my offense was that I, that I had when, when I ran it. Other teams have, other teams will kind of, give it na- like different names like they'll they'll call a number and then a name the numbers like the protection and then the direction of the would protect i mean there's all types of different ways to do it but how it's altered you can alter it different ways number one is you can alter it by a call so you can tag a call so if you're going to run you know double posts and then you think that they're playing that outside post high you know we've seen their name do scissors where they'll run a post corner from the number two guy but another concept we had is if teams were really jumping that outside post, we would stick that post for two steps and then run and break it off on a corner and just throw it out to the sideline and it'd be wide open. So that's a, a you can tag it, right? You can, you can, you can tag dolphins, like I'm just using a name that we call it, you know, dolphins and then tag like the corner, or you'd give it a new name, you know, could call it something different. Florida, you know, where you you tag it to where you know that that's what you're running. Uh, you can also just, if you want to make it up in the middle of the game, you can just say, "Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna call, call you know, Dolphins or, you know, NASCAR X corner, something like that." You can tag it that way, and you can mill the game. You can, however you need to do it, however you need to change. It. If it's a new play call, hey, we're gonna we're gonna put in this. We're gonna do this. Uh, other ways you can change it in the middle of the game is to change the formation. So, hey, I really, and this is what Notre Dame did on that play to Chris Tyree. So earlier in the game, at a three-by-one, so three receivers and then a, a, a guy out wide, they were getting a lot of single-high safety looks. When they went to the reduced tight end look, you were seeing more of the safety coming over to the tight end, and then you get man-on-man over the three receivers. So earlier in the game, Notre Dame ran that. It was a it was a, it was a go by number one, a post by number two, and then an out by number three. Well, against single-high – you can play that better because the corner will take the outside go, which their name wasn't looking at. The free safety will play the post, and then you've got a flat defender kind of getting up underneath that that outcut, and then a like a linebacker flat defender can kind of high low that, or that field safety can take the outcut, and the backside safety will then take the post. So there's different ways they could get into that coverage if they're going to play single high. Well, if you can get them to where they're going to go man to the field and have that safety bracketing the tight end backside because that's been your main dude, then that's a better look. And they and Notre Dame felt they could get Miami or get uh, USC into that look. And against man-to-man, that post is a much better look. Earlier in the game, Faison ran the post. He got jammed up. Tyree ran the out. Second time they ran it, Faison ran the out. That field safety ran with him because it was man. And then that left Chris Tyree one-on-one on the nickel, and he smoked him for a big play. So – you all you did was alter the formation and who was number two was number three. That's it. Same call, same same concept, but you altered it that way. So that's more of just a we like the play. We just want to get to a different look. Other times you may put in a, a you got to tag something because you need to run a different route as part of that combination. So that's the best thing I come up with on the fly for that answer. Also from T Guns, he says when your defense gives you actually Tommy, I don't have the second part of that question. So I'm not going to be able to answer that one because I didn't I didn't do it and I can't find I'm not going to be able to go back up and find the the other part. Sorry, buddy. You can ask me. You can text me the question. I'll try to answer best I can. 
99 props BK1 has the commitment of Deuce Knight had an impact on any 24 prospects, primarily wide receivers or tight ends, who now see back-to-back classes with CJ and Deuce. I have to think that's a plus. Is a fourth wide receiver possible in 24? No. They, they don't need another receiver. You got to think, guys. They've got Deion Colsey has another year left. Jaden Thomas has another year left. Chris Tyree can come back again. Tobias Merriweather it comes back, right? So that's four right there. You have a five-man freshman class right now because Jordan Faison's now on scholarships. You have you see you have Jaden Greathouse, you have J- Rico Flores, you have Braylon James. Now you have Rico Flores, and then KK Smith will be back next year too, who I like a lot. So you'll have you'll have nine receivers next year already, and then twelve when you bring in the new freshman. It's plenty of receivers. You don't need a fourth receiver. You need to go to the portal. Going to the portal for a receiver, unless it's like a star would be lazy in my opinion it's we're we don't care about development so we're just going to go get a proven guy that somebody else developed and play him and that would stunt the growth of the players on the team i i do not want to see that at all from this if you don't have a coach that can develop those guys and get a new coach i think the coach can he just has to do better and and we'll see if he gets a chance to do that or if he sticks around and does that for next year we'll find that out to answer the other question uh, yeah, I, I think it has to a degree. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of 24 guys they're going after, just Carter Nelson. So could could having Deuce Knight along with C.J. Carr maybe help with, with Carter Nelson? Possibly. The big impact from Deuce Knight, however, is going to be with the 25 kids. That's That's been the word the big impact. And that's normally how it is. Like having C.J. Carr didn't necessarily have any impact on, on – on, uh, the 23 receivers to the degree that they weren't interested in their name. And then CJ comes along and has an impact. But when you got CJ early, did it matter? And it helped solidify Notre Dame for them. Absolutely. It did. Is it that, was it the driving force? No. And it's the same thing here with Deuce and the 24 kids. Does it matter? Yeah, it matters. Uh, Is it going to be the driving force in their decision? Probably not, but it might for 25 kids. So it's a little bit different. 99 also asks us, with so many names on the board at multiple positions for 25, is there a clear pecking order at positions such as receiver, safety, cornerback, and DE edge? Or is the strategy take whoever wants first? It's a little bit of both. So all those positions are guys where you're going to have multiple guys in your pecking order. And the way you do it is you're breaking into groups. So like let's say a receiver, there's like five kids you like a lot, and you're only going to take three. Any one of those five kids wants to come, you take them. All Any, any of the five. Group or the second group, you may not take those guys right away. Does that mean among that five, is there a necessary pecking order in that top of group of five? Maybe not. Sometimes there is. And there and there's there's always a ranking. This guy's our number one guy. This guy's number two. This guy's number five. But you take all the guys from that group. Now, sometimes you may have a guy that's just – he's just so much better than everybody else. He's in a group by himself. And you may say, hey, look, we need to make sure that there's a spot safe for him. Or we're taking that kid no matter what. But yes, there's a pecking order at each of those positions. Uh, But they're also grouped together to where you're not going to pass on one guy who's in that top group because you're waiting on the guy that might be a spot higher than him. Usually doesn't work like that either. Where that will impact it, where that'll happen sometimes is a quarterback or a position where you're only taking like one guy, running back maybe, if you're only taking one guy in a class, tight end if you're only taking one guy in a class. Usually though, it's here's my top group. And we're gonna we're gonna go after that guy. Here, here's a question I've been getting a lot lately from USMA87. Why has Notre Dame not offered legacy Pritchett tight end? Is the room that strong? Well, two reasons. Number one, yes, it is. 
when the 25 class shows up, you'll have Eli Raritan, Holden Stace, Cooper Flanagan, Jack Larson, and they're hoping Carter Nelson. And they've offered another legacy commit in the 25 class that Notre Dame thinks is better right now, and that's James Flanagan, who uh, whose dad is Jim Flanagan. So you've got two legacy tight ends in the 25 class. James Flanagan's the better prospect, in my opinion. And I like Marshall Pritchett. I do. I think he's a good football player. And if Notre Dame needs to take a second tight end in the 25 class and they want to take Marshall Pritchett, I'm fine with that. The reason you can't offer him is because you're not ready to take a commitment from him. He's one of those guys that you, you'd ha- you'd had a pretty good shot at getting him if you offered him. The problem is, is they weren't ready to take him yet. There was other guys on the board. you got to remember, too, they had an early commitment from Nate Roberts. And they like James Flanagan better. Right now, Notre Dame's trying to get Carter Nelson as the second tight end in 24, and then James Flanagan would be the only tight end in 25. If they don't get Carter Nelson, then Notre Dame can expand the board in 25. And then I think Marshall Purchase is a guy that they could certainly look at. But right now, the board is that strong, and you don't take legacy kids just because they're legacies. You've got to take les- legacy kids because they can help you and they can help you win. And right now, Notre Dame views James Flanagan, another legacy, as the better prospect. And, and I think they're right on. I think they're correct on that. So I, I do believe that, you know, that's something I can agree with. I can agree with him on that. And, um, you know, I, I have no problem with that. I mean, I, I love legacies. I, I do. It's great. And I think Marshall Pritch is a good football player, but I completely understand why they're in that situation and why they haven't offered them. Thomas Lammers with a question. Thank you, Thomas. Your current playoff predictions. Well, all but Notre Dame is still in it for me for my playoff predictions. So my playoff predictions were uh, I, I took I had I had Georgia, Notre Dame, Washington, and Ohio State. That's my four. Notre Dame's out. Ohio State's still very and, and the other three all control their own destiny. They're all undefeated. If they went out, they control their own destiny. They're in. So uh, those three, I still have. I still, I think Ohio State beats Penn State this weekend. I still think they beat Michigan at Michigan at the end of the year. So I still, I still have Ohio State in. George, I still have in. He, although the Brock Bowers injury eh, gives me a little bit pause, but you know, the the it just depends on who they play in the SEC title game. That's really going to what it comes down to. That that's going to get very fascinating. Because if here's the thing, like let's say, let's say Alabama wins out, just for argument's sake, Alabama would have a win over Ole Miss, win over Texas A&M, win over Tennessee, win over LSU. That's that's some pretty good wins. And then they have one over Georgia. Their only loss would be all the way back to September 9th over Texas, and then they'd have some great wins since then. They're in. And then so you got to show. Well, what about Georgia? Does Georgia get in now with that schedule that they've played? So if Georgia loses to Bama, their best wins on the year would be like Ole Miss, Tennessee, who'd be ranked a lot lower because they would have lost to Bama, Missouri, Kentucky. I mean, it's it's not a great schedule. Georgia would probably get in in that situation and you get two SEC teams again, which I think the way the SEC is this year would be a joke if two teams get in. I don't think Bama runs a table, though. So I still have Georgia in. Still have Washington and still have Ohio State in. Right now, the team who who has the best combination of a really good win plus a schedule that sets up nicely to, to really run the table is, is Texas and Oklahoma, one of those two teams. What will be interesting is, is if they both run the table and then Texas beats Oklahoma. 
in the Big 12 title game. Do they both get in? Does Oklahoma, does Texas get in at that point in time? I think Texas gets in if that happens because they will have played twice on a neutral field. Texas will have a win. They'll have the win over Oklahoma plus a win over Alabama. So overall resume would be better than Oklahoma who will have a win over Texas and that's it. I mean, Texas is not going to have a, if Oklahoma loses to Texas in the Big 12 title game and they go 12 and one, or they will have one win over a ranked team all year. And that was over Texas, a team that just beat them. So, and their schedule down the stretch is UCF, Kansas, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU, and TCU. The Big 12 is down this year. It's very down this year. And then Texas's remaining schedules Houston, BYU, Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State, and Texas Tech. So I can see both of those teams running the table. And then the winner of that game basically gets the four spot. That's how I predict it right now. I that just that's kind of how I see it playing out at the present moment based on how things are. Joe Allen, how about Xavier Watts, my hometown boy, getting defensive player of the week? That's the Bronco Nagurski player of the week, by the way. How much more do you think it will drive the defense's confidence for the rest of the season? Well, that depends on how they handle the success, Joe. I mean, it's a great point in question, but it comes down to where's your mindset? If your mindset is, boy, we feel really good about ourselves and we like how we felt this weekend and we want to do more of that. We want to show that we're the best defense in college football and we're going to just go dominate our next four opponents and and play at a high level. Then you build off the USC game and you really play dominant football. If it's you're feeling good about yourself, look what you did to USC. The rest of the teams we play suck. We've arrived. Then you're going to stub your toe and not play as well. So it really comes down to where their mindset is. If you handle it right as a coach and from leaders in the defense, and this is a veteran defense, so I think they're going to handle it correctly. I think this is a springboard for this defense jump into an even greater level, and it's been very good this season. But I think that it could certainly springboard that and and jump them into another category. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Raymond Hart with Super Chat for your well-earned downtime, Brian. Thanks for all the hard work you do. You're welcome. I appreciate that, Raymond, very, very much. Two-parter from M- from problems, 99 problems, BK1. I know it's early, but who is projecting as a round one or two prospect from their name in the 2024 NFL draft? I can't understand why Cam Hart wouldn't. What am I missing? Also, how are guys like Watts, Cross, Maris, Bertrand, Javante, Jean-Baptiste, and Hartman projecting as of today? That's more of a question for Ryan. I... I- just from what I know of how I follow the draft and where those guys stand, the, the, all those guys that you just mentioned, Howard Cross, Maris Leofal, J.D. Bertrand, Javante Jean-Baptiste, and Sam Hartman are all day three guys. It's Howard Cross's issue is size. Maris is probably the one guy that could jump into day two just if he tests off the charts, but there's going to be some really good film with him and some really bad film with him. J.D. Bertrand has a lot of really good film, but he's going to be short with short arms and light, and he'll be athletic, but I don't know that it'll be enough to overcome those things. Devontae Jean-Baptiste, great length, great tool, like great, uh, you know, great frame, but he's a little light and lower body. Don't know that he's an elite athlete and won't have a ton of production. 
So I don't see him making a jump. And then Sam Hartman just doesn't have elite physical tools. And it's probably a day three guy as well. You know, Ian book, I think was a day, wasn't he a fourth round pick? He was a day three guy as well. So, you know, day one is round one day two is rounds two and three. So they're all day, day three guys. The problem with cam Hart is simply injuries. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. He's had multiple injuries on his shoulder. That's a big red flag if you're an NFL team. And the other one is Cam doesn't have great, hasn't shown great ball skills, meaning he doesn't make a lot of interceptions and pass breakups. He just blankets people. And I don't know that his film projects to be that of a first-round pick based on that alone. I mean, lack of ball skills and the injuries, I mean, that that, that alone is going to make him out of the first round. Or the, the ball skills alone – is going to probably knock him out of the first round, the lack of production on the ball, and then the injuries probably knocks him out of day two unless he can just, you know, obviously stay healthy the rest of the year. That's a great sign. But I worry about the medicals and how that's going to be on the shoulders. But if if that all checks out, I could see – I could personally see Cam jumping into day two if he tests the way that I think he's going to test, which is, you know, 4-4, four, four, you know, high 30s, low 40s, vertical, you know, good good – change of direction numbers. I mean, if, if his medicals check out and, and what that means is, yeah, you had a shoulder injury that happens, but what they're going to find out is, is there structural instability in the shoulders that lead to, this is going to be a problem for him in his career. That's what they're going to look at. And if he doesn't pass that, then he's going to drop. If he passes that, then you could see him rise up into day two. If he's able to, is able to have a really good, uh, combine and pro day period. John O'Connor, why is there a lack of RPOs in their name's offensive structure? John, I, I, I wish I knew. I really do wish I. It, it, you're not, you're a running team. You, it would make sense. You have a quarterback that can do it. He did it a ton at, in his last school. I have no, I, I honestly cannot fathom. Like last year, I could make a okay. okay Drew Pine's not really an RPO guy. He's a shorter guy not experienced, you're not great at wide receiver. Um, you know, I just, um, I don't know that that, I have an answer. I, 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 last year I could give you an answer. This year, I just don't. I just really, I really, really don't. Really, really don't. 99 problems became one scenario for you. Let's just say Dylan McCullough gets the head coaching job of a group of five school and he takes Joe Rudolph with him as OC. Chanty is wide receiver pass game coordinator. How do you advantageously remake the staff? Well, what I would do is I would go try and hire Tony Alford as my running backs coach. I would try and find the best receiving coach I could and the best O-line coach I could. I mean, I mean, it's it's really just it's that simple. I mean, Jared Parker's still your offensive coordinator. If you if you're able to go get Tony Alford as your running backs coach, that's problem solved. I think Joe Rudolph's done a solid job this year. He's replaceable, and Chancey Stucky's replaceable. You just got to be willing to spend the money to do it. I mean, you're going to see coaches around the country going to look at this Notre Dame receiver room, and and especially the 23 and the 24 commits, and they're going to look at the quarterbacks their name is signed and be like, dude, I want to coach that room. It's a far more attractive, and, and this is where. If Chancey Stuckey were to leave after the season, if they make a strong hire to replace him, you've got to give a lot of credit to Chancey Stuckey for making this a far more attractive room. Getting the current freshman class with Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, Braylon James, Jordan Faison, and K.K. Smith, 
the 24 class with Cam Williams, who's a dude, Micah Gilbert, Logan Saldate. He's done a great job remaking the room. And now it's just about selling it to somebody who you go hire to replace them. That that would be the key. And then just find a really good old line coach. I, I don't know who that would be. I would be some of the similar guys I looked at last year, but I mean, that, that's how you, you, that's how you were making it. I mean, you got, Gino. it's not, Oh, it's not overly complicated. You've got your OC still, you've got your quarterbacks coach still just find new position coaches to replace those guys. Simple as that. Rob Osgood with a question. Thank you, Rob. What must Notre Dame show in four games? Honestly, have the passion and intensity for all those games like USC. Clemson is easy to get up for, but seems like lesser teams are the problems. I don't agree with that, Rob. Not, not, I, I don't agree with that. Last year, maybe. But Notre Dame has pretty much dominated every quote-unquote lesser team they've played this year. I don't consider Duke and Louisville lesser teams. I don't think Notre Dame necessarily was was not up for Duke. I think Duke was just sky high for that game and played really well. Those are Louisville's a top 25 football team. You played them on the road. Duke's a top 20 football team. They just went on the road or they just beat NC State by 21 points without their starting quarterback. That's a good football team and you beat them. I mean, Notre Dame's smashed the teams that are inferior to them so far this year. So I, I don't know that I would necessarily agree with that, to be honest. I think it's been an issue in the past, Rob. I, I think you're right. I think it was an issue last year for sure. I don't think it's been as much of an issue this year, to be honest with you. 99 props became one. If Notre Dame had scheduled a bye for October 7th and instead of playing Louisville on October 21st, do you think they would have been in a better position to win that game and finish the year 11-1? and one? No, I I don't think the bye – I don't think – you can't watch what Notre Dame did the week a week later and tell me that the lack of a bye is the reason they played the way they did against Louisville. Because if the lack of a bye is why they played the way they did against Louisville, then they should have similarly been as gassed and out of energy and out of focus against USC. So no, I, I don't I think the bye is an excuse. That team was not ready to play. The coaches didn't do a good enough job getting them ready to play. The leadership of player level didn't do a good enough job getting them ready to play, and they didn't execute. Simple as that. It happens. I don't like it. It's not okay, but it happens. They bounce back a week later and dominated. So no, I don't think that the I don't think the buy is why Notre Dame is six and two right now. I just don't. TJ Kreider with all the parity this year, I'm super excited about the near six game. Who are some reasonable matchups? Assuming we get right second half of the year, uh, S, the, the, the SEC teams obviously are going to be part of that. A a a really good team that doesn't win the league. Perhaps a Big Ten team because you got a Big Twelve team. I mean, you've got to look at the, the the so like the way that this works. Since the this year there's a lot of the at larges, the odds of you getting an ACC team are slim because you're probably not going to take an ACC team and to play Notre Dame. Maybe you get Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl against an and and a Big Ten or SEC team, assuming that the second Big Ten team is not in the college football playoff. Or, and it would also mean that the ACC's number two team falters down the stretch where they don't want to do that. I believe that the Orange Bowl can take no, no, it's an ACC team versus, excuse me, I said it wrong. It's an ACC team versus a Big Ten SEC team or Notre Dame. I don't think they take Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl. So, yes, that is, that is correct there. The other two are at large games. So, in years where like the Sugar Bowl is not a playoff game, then that will match the Big 12 and the SEC. So Notre Dame can't play in that game. The Fiesta Bowl and then the Rose Bowl is Big 10 versus the uh, Pac-12, 
Well, this year, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl are the playoff games. I'm pretty sure on that. Let me just confirm bowl schedule. I'm pretty sure that that's the case. We looked this up the other day, and I'm pretty sure that's the case. So the semifinal games are the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. So the bowl tie-ins for those games are gone. So the Fiesta Bowl is is two at-larges. And the Orange Bowl, as I said, is the ACC versus either SEC, Big Ten, or Notre Dame. And then the Peach Bowl will be two at-larges. And then the Cotton Bowl will be two at-larges. So there's now going to be six at-large bursts. One of those is going to have to be taken by a group of five team, the best group of five team, right? And so there's five at-larges. So Notre Dame, it just depends on where they place them because they try to do like geography and all this other kind of stuff. So, you know, the the runner-up in the Big 12 or the Big 12 champ, uh, a, a secondary SEC team, a Bama, a Tennessee, I mean, a Bama, a Tennessee, if they win enough games, uh, an LSU could be one. And then possibly a, a number two Big Ten team, possibly, although there's some bull tie-ins that could take them there. So that would be my best. But then, of course, Notre Dame could end up getting matched up against the group of five, the best group of five team. That's an option as well, depending on which bowl game they go to. So that's uh, that's where we're at. Arrow 5.20, it's very important to compare starting field position as well. This has not been discussed, but the special teams last year helped the offense a lot more than this year. That, Well, yes, it did. You are correct. It did. Uh, but I, I do believe that the defense has done a pretty good job of giving them sh- more short fields this year. So, like, to take the USC game versus Clemson last year. Notre Dame scored 48 points against Clemson USC this year. They scored 35 against USC last year against or Clemson last year against Clemson. You had the blocked punt for a touchdown. You had the pick six, and then you had the other interception that gave you the ball at the 13 yard line. Well, that's similar to what we saw this year against USC. You had a fumble return for a touchdown. You had a interception where you got the ball at the two and then interception where you got the ball at the 12. The difference is, is this year's offense was able to put a couple more drives together. So, and then you had an additional short field of like near the 50, but you were able to put a couple big drives together. And and so the offense was able to, to make some big plays in ways that it didn't last year against Clemson. You look at the Syracuse game last year, you had a defensive pick six, and then you had a blocked punt. We got the ball to two that helped. So yeah, you, you did, but I don't know that Notre Dame's offense this year has has suffered from bad field position all year or, or not as good field position. Maybe slightly better, but I don't know if it's a ton better because where the special teams have slacked, the defense has picked up by forcing a lot more turnovers. And a lot of the turnovers they forced have either resulted in points, which we've seen, or they've resulted in, in shorter fields. And so that's helped them. I mean, you look at like the NC State game. They got two short fields against NC State that resulted in touchdowns. So that's that that's something that we saw that we didn't see la- last year. The special teams was doing that. They would block a punt and give them a short field. So this year the defense has given them more short fields. As I'm trying to think through, like you had the three turnovers against NC State. I mentioned two of them gave you really short fields. The other one didn't. That was the pick by Benjamin Morrison. You had the two turnovers against Duke. Uh, one of them gave you the ball at the 13 yard line, and you you kicked a field goal. Uh, the other one ended the game. You you got a short field against Louisville, couldn't do anything with it. And then, of course, what we saw against against uh, 
against USC. So it, it's probably better. I haven't looked at the numbers, and it's a good observation. But I think where the where the 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 defense um, where the defense has started, or the, I think the defense has kind of helped them a, a little bit. And so somebody you could you can send me those numbers. You can DM me or send me an email where you get those numbers. I don't know who provides starting field position, but I just, I have not got the impression that the offense was just constantly starting in bad positions because of the defense. So um, I could be wrong, but that's just my impression. Eric Santini, do you, Brian, do you think it's better for teams to play a schedule like Notre Dame where they front load the good opponents or back load a Michigan like Michigan? I, I don't, think either works I, I don't think Notre Dame front-loaded their opponents this year I mean Notre Dame's first four games were against Navy Tennessee State NC State and Central Michigan you had four games to kind of get ready for your tough stretch you had a tough four-game stretch in the middle of the year and then you end soft what I would say is I actually think Notre Dame's schedule this year was set up well there just were a couple problems the problem is you didn't anticipate Duke and Louisville being as good as they are that's really what it boils down to. If Louisville was if Louisville was still coached by Scott Satterfield and Duke was still coached by David Cutcliffe, Notre Dame's seven and one right now. No problem. So I I, I kind of like it. You know, you, you broke it up a little bit. I don't think they plan on having that four game really brutal stretch. The only thing that I would say what I the, the only thing that I would have done differently. This year is, as I said, I would have put the bye week before the USC game. You could have maybe done before Louisville. I'd have been okay with that too, but that's probably where I'd have put it. Either of them would have been fine. I don't know that that would have changed anything about the Louisville game, but it would have made for a little bit of a better breakup, like kind of like 50-50 kind of thing. That's what I would have done. But no, I don't think backloading your schedule – is great either we'll see what michigan can do when they when the schedule ramps up that's just one of the worst schedules i've ever seen i mean michigan has no justification for being a playoff team unless they're 13 and 0 a 12 and 1 michigan team has no business being the college football playoff in my opinion it, their schedule is that soft it, it, it's just it's embarrassing and, and same thing for the the big 12 teams i and it's not their fault i mean this is just a down year in the conference i mean texas went and played alabama you know, on the road and the it's not their fault that the Big 12 was down. You know, Oklahoma, you know, their, their schedule was a little little softer out of conference, if we're being honest. They didn't really schedule super tough out of conference because of some of the changes to their schedule. I mean, Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, that's, that's weak. You know, and otherwise the schedule would have been better if Cincinnati was typically like they normally are, if UCF was like they normally are, if Oklahoma State's like they normally are, TCU like they normally are. You're going to have five ranked opponents, but as it stands right now, because teams are down, you're going to have one, you know, in the regular season. So it's just sometimes those are the breaks. Michigan purposely scheduled an incredibly ridiculously soft schedule. And they just, they should, if they don't go undefeated, they have no right to be in the playoff, in my opinion. It's a comment from Robert Schmidt. Thank you, Robert. He says, Hot Rob from Los Angeles. Just want to let you know I love your show. I personally find IB to be the best overall coverage of learning football. I appreciate that very, very much. I do. I appreciate that. PK says, love to see Sam get two options per play, but only if Parker doesn't give it away with personnel. Always 100% agree. Need a heck of a lot more RPO. The offense instantly improves, guaranteed. Very well could be true. Beezer 12, washing washing beard. Just for fun, what would have to happen 
for Notre Dame to squeak into the playoffs. Oh, my gosh. What would have to happen? Okay. What would have to happen? You would need you would need one of the Big Ten teams to run the table. So you and and you ideally it would you'd need it to be Ohio State. You need Ohio State to run the table. Because if Ohio State's eleven and one or twelve and one and Notre Dame's ten and two, or or if Ohio State's ten and two and Notre Dame's ten and two, Ohio State will and should get in because the head to head and their schedule's tough. So you need Ohio State to run the table, beat Michigan and beat Penn State. You also need one of those two teams to lose another game. So you need, for example, let's say Ohio State beats Penn State and 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 Michigan. Both of those two teams still play Maryland at Maryland. You need Maryland to upset one of those other teams. So let's say Maryland upsets Penn State and then Penn State beats Michigan or vice versa. So if those two teams have two losses, Notre Dame's rolling the wins that they'll have, they'll have better wins. I think they get in over both of those two teams. In the Big 12, what you're going to need is you're going to need Texas to lose again to Oklahoma. And then probably for Texas, well, I think Texas losing twice, they go 11 and one regular season. They finish 11 and two. They'd have one better win than Notre Dame or one better, one more win than Notre Dame, but their schedule would be, they'd be, their entire resume would be built on beating Alabama. They'd be one and two in big games. I don't see that happening. So I think they would get in over Texas. Pac-12, you need them to – this is the most likely, actually. The Pac-12 is the most likely, is the Pac-12 just eats itself. They just all beat each other. What you also need in the Pac-12 is you need USC to do some damage. So you need USC, I mean, to, to beat one of Washington or Oregon. You need, if not both. I mean, if USC beats both of them, you know, that's a that's a – That'd be big for Notre Dame because I think Notre Dame would have a shot. And then let's say they they beat them both in the regular season, and then USC loses to a, lo- a two loss team in the Pac twelve title game. You'd need chaos. You'd need USC to lose one more game, but also beat some of those teams. You'd need Washington to lose to USC and then either lose to Oregon State or Utah or Washington State, which is possible. You need or- USC to beat Oregon and then Oregon to lose. Well, if USC beats Oregon, they're out. Uh, so, so as far as relative to Notre Dame, if, but if USC beats Washington and, and then say they lose to Oregon, you know, no, excuse me, USC lose beats Washington and Oregon and say loses to Utah or UCLA, they're out or, or here's the other one, USC beats Washington and Oregon in the regular season. Oregon is then out. And then Washington loses to, let's say Oregon state on the road and then beat USC in the rematch, the Pac-12 would fall behind Notre Dame, in my opinion. So I think you're going to get an ACC team in. So if Florida State loses, they're going to lose once, and they're going to get in. So I think I think Florida State or North Carolina, one of those two will get in. I'm banking on Florida State. A Big Ten team is going to get in. An SEC team is going to get in. So, and then you'd need, I mean, you'd need like Oklahoma to, to lose again to somebody else. I mean, you know, to, to a couple of teams. I mean, it's just going to be hard because you're Georgia's not going to lose two games in my opinion. That's, that'd be tough. You, you're going to – okay, here you, here's what you'd need. I think Florida State gets in. Somebody said Florida State goes down this weekend. I'd be great. I'd love that. You'd need Florida State to then lose another game. You'd need North Carolina to then drop a couple. 
So, because it's going to be hard to not have an SEC team. Because I just don't see Georgia losing the game in the regular season. If they lose the game in the regular season and then beat Bama or beat LSU or whoever they get in the SEC title game, they're in. It's going to be almost impossible to not have a Big Ten team in just because how soft their schedules are. I just don't see Oklahoma losing two games, and Notre Dame shouldn't be in over a one-loss Oklahoma team, even with how bad their schedule is. You know, then if the the other option is Texas runs the table, and then they beat Oklahoma, it's just it's going to be hard to not have a Big Twelve team in unless they get upset by somebody. So, Pac twelve carnage, Big Ten carnage, ACC upsets is the best option. I mean, there's just there's so many things that have to happen. That's why. I'm just really not concerned about where they are right now when it comes to the playoff. I'm just want to get a New Year's Six Bowl, and then I'll be happy. Andre Tonsil with a question. Thank you, Andre. Do you think the offense would throw down the field on the first couple of series just to soften out the defense for some run plays later? Yes, but only if it's there and makes sense. Like I'm not a believer in just throwing deep just to throw deep unless you've got like Rocket, which Lou Holtz did, but I always – my personal preference, I always try to design some early shots. Always. Always. If I'm going to have a 10 to 15 play script, I'm always going to have at least two shots designed or two, at least two options for shots designed. I'm a big believer in that. But it's also not just about softening up the defense. I want to get a big play for the sake of being a big play. A byproduct of that is to soften up the defense. But I want to get a big play. I want to take your soul early. And I'm, I'm a big believer in that. So, yeah, I think they should. Absolutely, Andre. And I think if you hit them, you you all of a sudden get that defense on their heels and it has a big impact. There's no doubt about that. And then last one from Brandon Plesner. We have a super chat. Thank you, Brandon. I really appreciate that. This is We're going to end the show with this one. Brandon says, with all the t- cornerback talent that Notre Dame is in on on 25, who is your ideal three-man class? I can't pick just three right now between Golden, Thomas, Zachary, and Williams. So, for me, Golden and Thomas are no-brainers. No-brainers. Uh, Williams and Zachary are very similar players. I'd be thrilled with either one. If I could only pick one, I'd go with Devin Williams. I know he's a little smaller than Mark Zachary. I think Dallas Golden is a dude. Notre Dame did a great job with him. Great job with him on his visit this weekend, from what I'm told. So they're a player there. Cree Thomas, to me, I I love Cree Thomas. He gives you that big boundary cornerback type of guy or a real rangy field guy, if that's what you think is best at. And then if you if you get those two and then Zachary and Williams, I mean, it's a win-win. I'm I'm picking Williams just because I think he's slightly better. But if if it's Zachary, I'm thrilled. I mean, thrilled. So that'd be a heck of a cornerback class. But yeah, Dallas Golden is a, is is my number one guy. Cree Thomas is is there as well. That's a great. I mean, honestly, Brandon, there's no there's no loss. In that, like my ideal class, honestly, I'm gonna cheat here, Brandon. I'm sorry, dude. I'm gonna cheat. My ideal class is three of those dudes. I don't care which one. Just give me three of those guys. And but if if I had if there's if, if you say take any of those four, give me three. If I can only have one guy, Dallas Golden be the one guy where I would definitely say, um, definitely if I could guarantee one, he'd be the one I guarantee, and then give me two of the other three. But I, I love that four-man group. I really do. So that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Thank you all so much for being with me today. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna miss you all actually a little bit over the next four days. So as I said before, no show this weekend uh, for me. We'll have IB Nation Sports Talk tonight and next week. 
So, um, and Andre, thank you for asking about my mom. She's doing a lot better. She's uh, she's going to be in town next weekend for the pit game. So we're going to have a tailgate next week, uh, which will be a lot of fun, barring any anything coming up with my family between now and then. So we'll, we'll have that next week. And uh, I'm going to take the next few days off, rest my body, my throat, get some health stuff figured out, get caught up on a lot of other things because I need a break. So it's my first actual true break since I started Irish Breakdown in 2019. So I hope that you all understand uh, that I, d- I definitely do need to take some time and, and are patient with me as I as I uh, before I get back on Monday. And still, please be on the boards. Please check out our content. We'll still have stuff. We're not IB's not going away. I'm just taking a few days off. So I appreciate your patience with that. And then I'll be back on Monday and uh, be ready to rock and roll. And uh, me and Vince, Vince and I are going to do a mailbag on Monday and we'll get ready for Pitt. So enjoy college football this weekend. I, I will still be on the boards because that's kind of fun and a relief. So I'll be there. If you have questions for me, hit me up on there. Uh, if you want to talk ball, you can always hit me up on there. I'll still be, I'll still be on there. But uh, other than that, I'm going to take some time off. So thank you all so much. I appreciate you all very much. And, um, and we'll talk to you guys here very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.